like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Things are fine. People are saying everything's good here on Rocky Top. Uh, I've written about it extensively this week, but, you know. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I got uh, some more bling uh, to show the good folks. Mm. Mm. What is it? What's, what you got there now? That is my degree ring this is my new class ring for the university of tennessee and everything's cool that people forget so uh not only do i got like it's it's just a, it's a nice that's thing that's one I for those of you playing along at home i what, were, you, were you 30 seconds in 30 seconds in and i couldn't uh i couldn't fit everything's cool on uh on the, the thing but i got my ma'am the torch bear on here I, I don't know how to do this with this angle with the the, the video but anyway um very cool university of tennessee there you go um so yeah graduation in a couple weeks uh just kind of slammed with that um all kinds of sports on every single day um a lot of good reading uh, a lot of good uh pt i started pt for my broken foot this week so i've had that off now for exactly two weeks um so getting used to that starting to feel closer i've had to re-iron to walk i have i make sure every time i take a step forward my heel hits first and i go full down it's it's interesting um having to like kind of retrain how to walk because i have a gait in my walk um that i learned from pt so i've got to like get that back to normal and i got to do all these different exercises and they're giving me laser therapy and all kinds of other stuff over the next couple weeks i think i'm getting acupuncture or something in my my foot um all kinds of fun stuff to get me to get me right and uh get me ready to run in 2023 so uh same injury that uh, michael jordan had in 1985 and like michael and being the michael jordan of this very podcast in the podcasting world Mm. um, we're gonna bounce back stronger than ever matt green how are you yes sir a lot of parallels i think have been made about michael jordan and chase thomas through the years Mm -hmm. um you know doesn't really need to be explained here uh today but i'm doing excellent sir it is uh it is rivalry week uh, I can't believe the final week of the regular season here. Uh, man, college football season, we wait all year for it, and it just flies by before you know it. I mean, we were talking about the season just being gone before you know it, before the season started. Like, that was something we were – that conversation that you and I had does not feel like it was that long ago that we were talking about, like, man, I can't leave the season's here. We were talking all off season. We wait all this time, and then it's going to be end of November. We're going to be like, man, it's over. Uh, I I really cannot believe how fast this season went. And I think this season went faster than previous years. I don't know. Are you under the impression 
I mean, this could be for the Braves, um, the the dogs when they've struggled or um, whoever. But have you found as a fan that seasons go longer when you stink or does it just go fast no matter what? I mean, I would imagine it feels longer if uh, if your team isn't good. Um, hmm. Not trying to, uh, you know, toot our, toot our horn over here. I don't really have anything to do with it. Um, hmm. th- those teams... Haven't had a haven't had a bad team I've rooted for in a while, so it's hard to say. Like, I mean, when was the last time the Atlanta Braves were were bad? Like twenty seventeen or something. So, and then Georgia's obviously been been good every year under Kirby Smart. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I think uh, I think time flies when you're when you're having fun, right? That's what people say. So, I think when you're having a good season, you're just you're waiting to the next week and everything. Um, and then it just, before you know it, it's Georgia Tech week and season's over. Man, um, but we're here. Season's over. But we still have a lot of football games before the season ends. Uh, a lot of big games over the next couple of days. Suddenly, Tennessee Vandy is a lot more uh, intriguing. Um, Georgia Tech may be playing for their coach's potential job. If uh, Brent Key pulls off the Georgia win and the upset of all upsets, I think you probably have to make him the permanent head coach. If Cadillac beats Alabama, do you have to just give him the job and go full Ed Orgeron here? Like, uh, there's some interesting interim implications uh, on this rivalry week here on the calendar. But we also got the World Cup sandwiched here. And, Macrine, I want you to ask me a question. And I'll answer this honestly. You see, I'm rocking my gear, uh, repping the USA. Did they play today? No, they played on Monday. I knew that. Uh, Okay. So you're just, uh, you're ahead of it. When do they play next? They play uh, England on Friday. Okay. I won't be watching a minute of it. And mm. let me make my case, Matt Green. Hot take. Here we go. It's not because I'm against soccer. My wife, um, great soccer player, played soccer through high school, all that kind of stuff. All I am great. pro when it comes to the national team, like pro, I love our women's team. Like, that's where the stars are. You got star after star with Wambach, with Hope mm. Solo, with Alexis Morgan. You go up Mia Ham. You can go. I already t- don't Chastain. like the direction you're going with this. So, keep going. It's worth your time. Like, I invest. Like, my favorite U.S. soccer moment was being at a bar in Atlanta watching the women's team score like eight goals on what was it, Japan? Just bombarded them and dominated them they're incredible our women's soccer program in this country is top notch top top notch that is a real program a real program of excellence and domination and characters and personalities and fun and you go into every world cup with them and you're like we are the favorites we should probably win like they're the new york yankees of women's soccer and it's fun like that's where you get like it is so much more of enjoyment i will watch every women's uh world cup eh, for the u.s i am not watching one minute of the minute it's a waste of time like people get so invested in this and i'm like the best players in this country the best male athlete do not play soccer they're never going to play soccer in this country we're never gonna get the best of the best and everywhere else in the country the best of the best is playing soccer the men's national team will never win the world cup it's they're not even out of the group. They missed the World Cup altogether last time. What are we doing? I don't understand it. You have the women's national team. Enjoy that. They're amazing. They're awesome. 
this men's national team obsession that I see people, they'll watch like the friendlies and lead up this stuff. I don't understand it. It's like being a diehard Vanderbilt fan in the SEC. I don't understand it whatsoever. I will not engage. I will not give it one little bit of emotional investment. There is not a bigger waste of your time as a sports fan than investing in the U.S. men's national team. (laughs) <laughs> so many things wrong with what you're saying right now. First of all, you're you're a Tennessee fan, right? You they can't won. you can't compare this to a Vanderbilt fan. Uh-huh. They, they this is top thirty two. They made the tournament. Like Vanderbilt's a making, top fourteen SEC team. Vanderbilt is the ninetieth best football program in, in college football. Are they like right they're, now? Yeah, they're nowhere. They're they're Vanderbilt. We all know what Vanderbilt. I think is. they're somewhere in the forties right now. USA might be a juggernaut. They might be better at other sports than soccer, but the World Cup is the biggest event in the entire world. Like a billion people watch this thing. Yeah. Like it is the biggest sport in the entire world. And I actually, we did go down to uh, to a bar in Atlanta and, and watch this. And it was honestly, it was completely worth it when they scored the one goal and the whole place goes nuts and you know everyone's just yelling and everything. It was it was great times. That's how I want to. That's how I want to. Uh, you know, consume my USA soccer. I just want to be in a crowd of people chanting USA, like being patriotic. Like that's uh that that's what it's all about, man. You got like it doesn't matter that you don't like have you been watching at all? Like Japan beat Germany today. Who who the hell knows what's gonna happen? Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Like you just it's unpredictable. The USA should have beaten Wales. They got the the one one draw, but I, it's already over. I do not like what I'm hearing. You're, as as a, someone who's like a Tennessee fan, a middle-of-the-road SEC program for the last 15 years. Are, is that false? Middle? No. Tennessee is the 10th best program in the SEC over the last 15 years. How? We're not talking about that. We're, but that's, that's what I'm saying. You're, Tennessee you're fans still show up here. and they root for their team every single time because that's what you do for your team. No, because you can win. Tennessee, if they got their administration, they've always had the boosters. They've in always 20, had the 2010, power. could Tennessee win? In 2011, could Tennessee, were they a contender to win the national championship? No. But the fans show up and they, they root on their no, team. They but go there nuts. Was still that's a what sports are if about. You, no, but if you stand and root and invest and that sort of thing, like what we're seeing with Auburn, with them being down and then packing the building for, um, what was it last week? I'm already, uh, Texas A&M. Don't like what I'm hearing from you, sir. You get, Auburn can win a national title. It's how you prove that the resources are worth your time and that the resources, and it just means more down here, Matt Green. It but what does that more. have to do with the United States rooting for the United States soccer team? No one Auburn all. and Tennessee can win a national championship. They have. <clears throat> the United U.S. will the never win the Men's thir- World Cup. It will the never happen. They're in the 32. They have oh. to get out of their four-team four group stage. I mean, they got out of the group stage last world cup uh-huh. they were in and are went, we overlooking the missing time one entirely with belgium that that year like they were they were super close to getting in the final eight of the tournament like in 20 what would that have been 2014 it's like it's it's like it's the the odds of them ever winning the world cup yeah super low but so are they for you know i don't i don't know uh saint mary's in basketball or something but they make a run VCU, they make a run to the Final Four. You enjoy every minute of it. The U.S. Women's National Team has four Olympic gold medals, more World Cups than anyone else. The Spent Women's 10 World of the Cup last 11 isn't years. as big of an event as the Men's World Cup. It's just it's It should just be. Not. It's better. It's If you're it an American, not. there is no reason for you not to invest significantly um, the Ameri- more. 
the United States is better at women's soccer than they are at men's soccer. Yes. But, I mean, the women's soccer, the women's World Cup is not the product that the men's World Cup is. I mean, it's I my don't, product. I don't, don't want to be not PC or anything, but it's, there's a, a reason a billion people are watching the World Cup. There's it's a reason the, the advertising and all the dollars that go into the world, the men's World Cup as opposed to the women's. It's it's, it's better, a, man. It's a Americans I'll respectfully disagree. Americans sir. listening to this podcast, drop out. I don't need you to watch on Friday. Like, just tap out. Don't do this to yourself. When is the next women's World Cup? Is it next year? Is it in a couple of years? I don't even know because the schedule's all messed up with COVID. You don't know. You huh? don't know. No, but guess what? When I that's the point. You don't know when the next. I didn't know when the mid. Like it just snuck up on me this mm. year. I didn't know the World Cup. Like it's one of those. Like it's not on my radar. I don't care. I will not watch any of it, especially during the football season. NBA, college basketball's back. There's too much on my plate. It's not. It's perfect. It's, no. you're working Get it from out home here. and stuff, right? Get it out it's, of here. You got it on in the middle of the day. It's perfect. Middle of the day. Got, I'm not watching just, this in the middle of the day. You got some soccer just 11 to 2 or 10 o'clock to 2, 2 p.m. the afternoon. No, do you know what I'm doing? Perfect I'm hanging out. I'm excited for I saw for Spain. It. Spain scored like seven goals today. It was, it was Who a, cares? It was a sight to see. I'm not from Spain. Who cares? No, do you know what I want to watch? I want to watch the Americans dominate You're not from people. Washington. You watch the Washington, Washington State play each other. What does that, what does that have to do with anything? Hold on. Hold on. I cover it. That's part of my job. I don't cover it. I have an emotional okay. like I have years and years. So of that's investment. what it is. Don't 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 go knocking the World Cup. Everyone loves it. No, we don't have to do that because I don't love it. I don't care. I've never cared about the World Cup. I've never understood it. I don't. But you know what I do like the Women's World Cup. It's engaged. Like the women's dominance is some of the most fun I've had watching like just any sporting event. Whatsoever. Some of us, you know, just love the team and they get behind the team. They don't have to just. They don't have to. You know just ride a front runner over here like the, the i'm sorry the women's are we cup. not both americans what are we talking about of course but you don't care about the men's team no because it's the a women's, waste of time they're not good see what so you just care about the teams that are good no i that? also just they they're they know what they're doing like it's just great it's a great program stars everywhere per, great personalities it's fun way more engaging all in just great stuff i love watching the women's national team play they're just awesome yeah, I mean they're they're good too, but it's it's not the same product. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's better, and we win. And you watch it, and you like you get up, and you go, man, that was incredible. That was what a dominant effort. When the women's World Cup is happening, I only care about the United States. I'm not going to watch two segments of any of the other games. Right, but and I think I that's feel what like we'll do when with the men's, the men's World too. Cup is on, I'm watching all the games. Are you really? I mean, there's never two games on at the same time, so it's like just you just have it on in the background have it all on, the time. Yeah. This is incredible. I just, I, I don't get it. I, it's just not for me. I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. for <laughs> for for whatever these games are starting. But, yeah, man, it's good stuff. I mean, mm. obviously, there's all the social justice and whatever going along going along with it being in Qatar. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about all that. I'm just watching, I'm just watching the product on the field, and it's good stuff. I feel like if anything is just the, uh, if anything is super important, I can get into it as a sports fan. It's just like. I know this rivalry game. Maybe I don't watch this sport, but it's like it's kind of like how the college baseball season was going. It was like Tennessee is such a big deal. Everyone's talking about them. Like this kind of baseball season, this postseason getting hyped up. I was like, honestly, I want to check it out. I want to see this Tennessee team lose. I, everyone's talking shit about. <laughs> Chase Thomas has talked a lot of every everything school. What was it? TCU? Who was it that? No, TCU. Notre Dame. 
Notre Dame, that's who knocked him off. That's tough. Golden Dummers. But jokes on Notre Dame. Lost their coach to Florida State. Hate to see it. Uh, Golden Dummers. And we'll be back. Like, Tennessee's favored uh, along with LSU to win the SEC this year. So they'll be back one, two. You wouldn't under, like, this is another, like, kind of out of Georgia fans' elements when you just, the sports season ends in early January and you guys go in your little bunker and go in your little cave and hide out for nine months and then come <laughs> back out after hibernating for the rest of the calendar. But for other schools like myself um, up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, the home of an everything school, uh, everything matters. There's two. What are we, 15 minutes in? There's hey, two. it's a Thanksgiving special. Give thanks. Bottoms and they're up. just like, I cannot believe they did 10 minutes on uh, the World Cup and the men's national team. I just don't get it. When you have like the, yeah, let's get the, this thing back on track here. Yeah, it's just, rivalry week, sir. It is rivalry week. Um, Matt Green, a couple things before we get into this week's pick'em. Uh, big, big week for our pick'em. Um, latest CFP came out. Um, the one big thing that I thought was interesting that got moved around um, and not to bring everything back to Tennessee, but I do think folks who have a problem with Tennessee sliding to 10 are correct. Um, I think that is something worth noting is that them falling behind LSU and Alabama with head to head victories over both, especially LSU who they have a big road victory over um, makes no sense. Uh, you could say, and it seems like a lot of folks have said, well, if Hendon Hooker doesn't get hurt, they may not do that. They may not slide them to 10, um, but they have to factor that into their future. But it also just goes to show that like, there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing because it's supposed to be a cumulative um, ranking, right? Like it's supposed to be the accumulation of your entire season's work. But I mean, look at Alabama's resume. I mean, Alabama, they don't have better wins, but their two losses are to number five and a number 10 by a total of what, four points? Four points, yep. Tennessee just getting 63 dropped on it by a bad South Carolina. I mean, seven and four, not necessarily bad. They haven't looked good most of the season, but not a very good South Carolina team. I think that's the most recent thing in people's mind. And you do have to take in the Hendon Hooker injury into account like if, if it does come down to just straight up madness and it's two loss alabama and two loss tennessee getting compared to one another obviously they did beat alabama but it was by three it was at home and if we're like trying to get the best four teams in it's this team doesn't have hendon hooker who's who is 90 percent of their offense or whatever so I, I mean, I'm not saying he's 90%. Obviously, they have a running game, but Hinton Hooker is a super dynamic player. He's the. Mm-hmm. I think you're. I think we're all worried about what they're going to look like without Hinton Hooker. I think that's accurate, right? So, y- y- there's definitely reason to kind of discount him a little bit for that. But, I mean, I think after losing to South Carolina, that just the head-to-head stuff kind of it kind of changes a little bit. LSU has a one-point loss at a more home but basically neutral site. Uh, in the season opener to Florida State, um, and then and they're like they're a top fifteen team now or top sixteen team now, and then obviously the other loss is is to a top ten Tennessee team. So when you lose does matter. So but it, it shouldn't for this. That's the whole point. Is like this is accumulation, and it's like the schedule is the schedule. So you cannot penalize people for losing at different points of the schedule. Like that's ridiculous. Like if South Carolina that game happens in September. Tennessee's not 10 right now. That's I just, disagree. I think that's more the form you're No, in. that's the AP poll then. That's not what this should be. Is like, that's not... And Staples I mean, made this point on his show. I agree resume, with it. 
if you just look at the resume, that they, that's that's Tennessee's a really resume is better than Alabama and LSU's. It just is. But that's and they a also really beat bad better. loss. That's a that's a worse loss than anyone else had. Like that's but that's st- on I get par it with like Clemson's to- Notre Dame loss. Like just getting Notre just getting blasted like that. But they only have one loss. But I get it if they did not have the same record and they actually played on the field head to head. Like we have the head to head on the field showing. Like those games still happened. And if Alabama lost to Tennessee on Saturday and the South Carolina game was two weeks prior, where is Tennessee and where's Alabama right now? Like, it's just if LSU happens to last week and instead of like, that is not, I think it's hard to say because if Tennessee had lost 63 to 30 in September, 38 in, in fourth game of the season, then yeah, they're they're down in the twenties or something if they're even ranked at that point in the season. Mm. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So it, I feel like it's just a it's a slower climb for them to get back up. So I don't know that it necessarily is like the recency bias. I don't know it necessarily does play that big of a factor here because I mean Oregon they lost the season opener and they lost to Washington. Like I think I, th- I think Tennessee has a better resume than Oregon to this point, but uh, I think you could definitely make that argument. But I don't know the the the, the huge lot like their big blowout loss was to the number one team in the country. Like for Tennessee to get blown out by South Carolina, I think that just that's just a huge red flag or black mark on their resume. I think really. I mean, if Oregon plays Tennessee schedule, what's their record? Did yeah, they have three I mean, losses. It's, it's, it's four? tough to say. Yeah, that's the thing with a lot of these two is like because they did play Georgia in there right. w- w- with their schedule as well. And how do they fare against LSU on the road and Bama at home? Like we'll see. I, I just I don't think they're better. Bo and Nick's I think played that, a lot of those games and did do too great in those. I just I I don't know. It doesn't matter because they're out. Tennessee lost. They're ten. Doesn't matter if they're seven, ten, whatever. They're out. Um, but like you said. We'll I see think, what happens uh, with the CFP, but it does look like, I mean, I think right now my gut tells me it's going to be Michigan and Ohio State are both locked in now, and then I think Georgia's locked in, and I think if LSU beats Georgia, we're getting two Big Ten and two SEC teams in, and if Georgia beats LSU and TC runs the gauntlet, they're in, but where it could get crazy for that fourth spot is TCU losing one, uh, Oregon beating USC in the Pac-12 title game, and I mean, I don't know what, I think so you probably, I would put Clemson in it. I think Clemson probably is, I, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I think Clemson has a real shot of sneaking back in. North Carolina just I got right. lost to UNC. I, think I said last week there were seven teams that could still make the playoff. I think this week it's eight. Hmm. I think things have changed a little bit. Alabama is not one of them. I hear all of this yeah, about, no, they're out. you know, Bama Alabama could weasel their way. They're in the Sugar If Bowl. they lose and they lose and they lose, there's all these, like, I don't think there's any chaos that can get Alabama in because if I think if, if so the chaos at first, if TCU and USC lose, right? So what are we, what are we talking TCU loses? Does TCU lose? To Iowa State, Kansas and then State. win the Big Twelve championship, or do they go twelve and zero and then lose the Big Twelve championship? Big Twelve. So, I think if TCU and USC lose, I think you're talking Michigan State, Ohio State loser is now going to get in. So you got Georgia and Ohio State. Say for all 
whatever purposes, Ohio State's the winner, right? Mm -hmm. Just so we don't have to say that either or every time. Ohio State wins. So I think under that scenario, Michigan gets in. And then, honestly, if Clemson is the the one loss, Clemson should get in in that four spot. Mm -hmm. But if it gets crazier and Clemson also loses, that's when I think you can honestly have a discussion about TCU still getting in. Especially if their one loss is this week and they win the Big 12 championship, I think they have a really good shot to get in as a one loss if they win the Big 12. But if they still just have the one loss, I mean, they should be ahead of Alabama. But honestly, I think it comes down to a two-loss Pac-12 champion. If it's Oregon or USC, I'm still taking that. Like I'm taking that ahead of a two-loss Alabama. Or if you don't want to take two uh, TCU after they have lost that. Uh, in the Big 12 championship, or maybe they lose twice or something like that. But I, I'm taking one loss ACC champion Clemson over Alabama, and I'm also taking a, a two loss Pac 12 champion over Alabama. Like, I think they're just like, if you look at their resume, I mean, at that point, Oregon would have just as many good wins, at, at, if not more, than Alabama at that point. Like, who's Alabama's best win? Ole Miss? Like, Ole Miss in Texas. I was gonna say Texas is probably their best win. And I like. I guess Ole Miss. It's of, one of the two. Yeah. We all kind of question the Texas win, honestly, with how the game played out and everything, and Quinn Ewers getting hurt. So they don't really have many good wins to hang their hat on. They're just Alabama. So if Oregon wins the Pac-12, like they'll have wins over Utah and wins over who am I forget UCLA, and then potentially UC, USC in the Pac-12 championship. And same with USC, like. People are kind of outraged that LSU is five and USC six, but like we were talking last week, like yeah, the Pac-12 is really good. That doesn't mean USC is good because they haven't played those teams. Like they finally did play UCLA, and that was a big time win. But like that's their first good win. If if they beat Notre Dame, if they beat uh, Oregon in the in the Pac-12 championship, they're easily going to jump ahead of LSU. I mean, unless LSU beats Georgia, then there's a whole conversation. But that that's obviously LSU being Georgia. I think it kind of creates the most chaos, I guess, because no one's really banking on that happening. I guess Georgia probably still gets in at that point um, if LSU beats them. So I don't know, but yeah, at this point, the cleanest playoff I think scenario is is Georgia, Ohio State, or let's say Georgia winner of Michigan, Ohio State, TCU three, and USC four. I think that's kind of like the cleanest. USC's not doing it though. Like this defense, we'll get into this, but I don't. I mean, I, if they do though, like, yeah. that's like the clean a one loss pack. Like no one really would really have any right. thing to disagree about there, unless maybe Clemson is sitting there as a one loss ACC champion. But that's what but, I'm saying. But like, USC are, why has are a better just resume. putting in USC over Clemson? Because I think USC's resume is, is so much better. If well, do they you have think they're better? Loss. Like uh, in your heart of hearts, do you think USC is better than Clemson? I mean, if. If they run the table and go twelve and one, a hundred percent. Okay. Like, well, how about this? I mean, Can I, I phrase think it this U- way? UCLA. Who's the best team Clemson's beat? Like, was it Syracuse? Like, <laughs> they're they've just Florida gone. Florida State. Like, also Clint, Notre Dame. Like, oh, NC State st- with a healthy Devin Leary. Yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, NC I mean, State. NC State with a healthy Devin Leary top ten team. Yeah, they're they're, they're that was a that's a solid win. Wake's like, that's a good their win. Best win on the season. Yeah, Wake. It's like USC will have had wins over UCLA, Notre Dame, potentially Oregon. Like there there's a lot of solid teams in in the like we got six ranked teams in the Pac-12 right now. Like what, like four I don't in like, the top 12, 15. 
I think well, USC. I, let will me posit this to you. Resume. Let me throw this to you. And this is what I'm thinking about too. And I think the committee has to include this. Like Georgia USC is not a good game. Georgia's blowing them out. Like USC is not stopping it damn thing says like, who that's just not a good game that georgia might drop 70 on this usc defense todd Monkin, you give him a month to prepare <laughs> for usc's defense right now it's and we'll get into usc and just what that's looking like but i think clemson with their defensive line and what they could do against georgia's front we already saw it like last year in the opener like georgia clemson was was close and it's also close in terms of athletes and dudes like it's just the 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 dude factor on both sides of the ball i think will be close and i think that would be a better game like what i'm hoping but you won't do that because then you'd have to put michigan ohio state in a rematch and they're not going to do that but you also if you're the committee i mean i don't know what you do because you don't want to do that and you don't want to do michigan georgia again because this michigan's team is worse than the team last year so i'm like are you sure yeah i think they're worse I think at some point we need to have the Cade McNamara's better than J.J. McCarthy conversation, and they made a mistake pulling the plug on that one uh, just in favor of the five-star because he's just uh, – we'll, we'll talk more about that. But um, not the dude. No, I don't I don't think they're better uh, than they were a year ago. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I just – the CFP will play out – like, let's put it this way. Um, it is November 24th now, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. We're recording past midnight now. Um, there you go. Uh – your prediction. Thanksgiving's not a woo holiday. That's like, <laughs> I take it back. Um, what? Who are your four? If you had to guess right now, put it on record. Who do you think are the four playoff teams right now? Mm. I'm gonna say uh, I think it's Georgia, Ohio State. I think it's gonna be TCU and USC. I think that's what we're gonna get. I think USC is gonna take care of business down the stretch. Ah, I don't know if I do think that. So, let's say TCU takes care of business and USC gets tripped up, loses to Oregon, Pac-12 championship. Who is your fourth team? Wait, say it again. So, uh, with TCU being the three seed, they they run the table. USC loses to Oregon in the um, in the Pac-12 championship. Who's the fourth team in the playoff at that point? Oregon. Is it, is it you go Oregon over Clemson? I think they do. That'd be tough. I I would, I I would hope the conversation would be. I think the conversation would be down to those last two to those two teams. I don't I don't know. But then we but then what if we're if we're worried about matchups? We gonna we want to see Oregon Georgia in that in that final spot. So they Clemson. <laughs> that, here's the problem. Like, All of them are bad for like. That's why I'm trying to throw Clemson in there. Where I'm like at least I think it might be close. I think it might. There's an opportunity for that to be an interesting quarterfinal. You throw TCU against georgia you throw michigan against georgia you throw usc against georgia oregon against georgia they're all bloodbaths i just i don't know i'm trying to think of like the best possible I don't know CFP that all of those game. are just guaranteed like usc is usc is a good team like they have some good players like tcu they've they've run the table like they're a good team like they're a, a balanced offense like do you really what do you think the opening line for tcu georgia is? i'm just saying i'm not I think it's. I'm not ready to say Georgia just just destroys anyone that they they come up against. You're so just, just think, trying to be a nice Georgia, guy. You know, in your heart of hearts, you love this. You're like, no. But you just think Georgia would just dominate anybody that's not Ohio State, basically. Yes. Do you think they would beat Ohio State? No. I'm right okay. now. I'm at the point where everything is just. There's still something weird about Georgia, and I also just think it is so damn hard to repeat especially in the cfp era 
Like, there are extra games now. There's a reason Saban's only done it once. Like, it's just... What's really? what I'm saying? You're you're saying it's uh there's something weird about George you don't trust, but you're also saying they're just gonna dominate every other. They're gonna team. dominate whoever in the quarterfinal. What I'm saying is the national championship game is I think where they could get tripped up. If they get Ohio State in the national title, I think I would lean Ohio State just because. I've, I've said this before. Georgia Ohio State is the is the rivalry that college football like needs. Mm. Honestly, it's like it's a rivalry that exists and they've never played each other. I swear there's so <laughs> many Ohio people in Georgia. There's just a natural hate of Ohio State from every fan base in the SEC. It's like Ohio State Georgia is this like rivalry that isn't. That's just like brewing. It's like a cold war. Like we need to see Georgia Ohio State. It was way before Justin Fields too. Justin Fields that threw a little flame on it as well. But um I don't know. There's something with Georgia, Ohio State. I would. Uh, I, I hope we can. I hope we can see that one this year. There you go. Um, all right, Matt Green. Where do we stand on our pickem, sir? As we head into our final week, week 13 of the college football season. Week sir. 13. We still got the conference championship though, so this isn't the necessarily not as the many final games week. though to pick. Not quite as many. Uh, of a, well, a I guess slate, we'll pick but... some crazy ones that you might try and make up some ground, like the MAC title game. The yeah, we'll, we'll definitely pick them all. So I don't know how. Is there eleven conferences? I'm not. I'm not sure how many. It's a good but, question. Um, but yeah, week thirteen coming in. You have a five game lead overall, ninety two and forty three on the season. I'm eighty seven and forty eight on the season. Uh, against the spread, however, I have a two-game lead on you. I'm 67, 63, and 5 on the year to you playing 500 football, 65, 65, and 5. And then mm. we got Zeus, 8 and 5 on the year with his home dog of the week. Uh, he's won three straight, six of his last seven, I want to say. Yeah, six of his last seven. So, yeah, take Zeus's home dog of the week to the bank with you. I say that, and I'm not even sure who we got as the home dog of the week. We'll have to, I'll have to see. We shall see, sir. I'm excited to, excited to see it. Might even see Zeus uh, in the next couple of days. Never met him. How is Zeus with Keyshawns? How is Zeus with what? Uh, Keyshawns, like Khaleesi the Keyshawn. Like, how is Keyshawn? Zeus with other dogs? Zeus is, uh, Zeus is fine. He, uh, he grew up with a Yorkie. So, okay. I mean, that's like a. How's Maddox? Like a five-pound dog. Maddox is uh Maddox likes to play, so uh, who knows? Maddox can he's a wild card for sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll see what we can do. Matt but, Green, uh, we where are we going off? first? All right, game of the week, the big one we've waited all year for: mm. Michigan, Ohio State, in the horseshoe. Buckeyes are an eight and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see this one going? Man, um, I saw a lot of people are like wanting to take Michigan. A lot of people want to go back to back for Michigan and like, oh, this this kind of flipped and let's build off last year. I think two thing one of two things happens. If it, this is a low scoring game, I think Michigan wins. That means this game is playing to Michigan's strengths. Like if this is looking like Illinois from a week ago, then this is really, really good spot for Michigan to be in. You saw with Maryland and these other schools, like you get you do not want to get in a scoring contest with Ohio State. You don't want to get in a back and forth affair. You don't want to see if you see Ohio State has 42 on the board, they're probably going to win that football game. Um, they just have weapons everywhere. And this is also the most impressive part about Ohio State, I think, this year is that Jackson Smith and Jigba has just not been a part of it 
basically all season long. Like they've done this without arguably their most important player on offense, um, which I don't know if a lot of national folks realize that. That's like maybe the scariest part about Ohio State is that maybe they'll get Jackson Smith and Jigba back at 100% for the playoff. But man, he just Marvin Harrison Jr. has been incredible, and it's basically a battle between him and Jalen Hyatt for the Blitnikoff. But um, man, I I just I keep thinking about like what is what is my college ball ethos right like how do I pick these games what do I look for in teams and like picking stuff and part of it is just that like I think this game if you play it a hundred times Ohio State wins 70 80 times like the way Ohio State can beat you they just have more they have more options they can run the football on you we've seen it with a multitude of dudes um and what was it Hayden uh, who ran all over Maryland this week. It could be Trayvon Henderson. It could be a big game from CJ Stroud. It could be a big game from uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. It could be a, like, there's just so many dudes. And then the pick six in the end zone, which is becoming one of their favorite bits that they love doing late. Like the defense is much better with Jim Knowles. He's done a great job with this group uh, from what they were a year ago, which is a big reason why they struggled. But I just, I think JJ McCarthy might have to have like a Heisman type day. Like he has to be better than CJ Stroud. And I just don't think he's capable of this. Like he was really bad last week against Illinois, obviously a great defense with Illinois, but just not, not the dude. Um, I don't think Blake Corum's practiced all week, which is scary. If you're a Michigan fan, Edwards was obviously out. I don't, they're just really banged up running the football. And that's a problem because you don't have a, a locked in superstar quarterback who can, compensate like a Bryce Young type who can overcome something like that if your running game is just absent and that's been your bread and butter all year. Um, Michigan's 45th in yards per attempt through the air this year. Not good. Uh, McCarthy is 42nd uh, in completion percentage against power five teams this year. You just scope it down the numbers. They're just very pedestrian on offense uh, when it matters, uh, when they have to uh, attack the air. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I don't like Michigan here. So I think Ohio state not only wins, I think they win in a blowout. I think they, they blow the doors off uh, Michigan in this one. I was going back and forth on this one. Um, so Ohio state's 15 and two in the last 17 in this matchup. Uh, last win that Michigan had in Columbus was actually in 2000. So it's been a while before Jim Trestle actually. So I think the number one thing for Michigan is they can't get off to a slow start. They've played three road games this year. They were up 13-0 at the half on Iowa, 10-10 at the half at Indiana, down 17-14 at the half against Rutgers. Gotten off slow starts all three road games this year. And you kind of said what I was going to say about uh, Ohio State's running game. Michigan's running game is kind of the one Blake Quorum gets talked about and everything. You look at this big three that Ohio State's got right now. Like the three of these guys are combined for like eighteen hundred yards and like twenty five touchdowns. Like it's it's like every bit of what Blake Quorum uh, and Donovan Edwards have done uh, combined. So I really I the the number one thing about Michigan is their defense. So you know defense travels. So the fact that I feel like C.J. Stroud, when he's played some of the better defenses this year, he's kind of struggled. Like, so the fact that Ohio State or Michigan's got the number one uh, total defense in the entire country, what are they, number number two against the run, number five against the pass, like number two scoring defense. If Michigan can keep this game in the 20s, 
that I think they can actually win it. But like you said, it's all come down to Blake Corum if he's healthy enough to play. Because if, if Blake Corum's not healthy, then that's just like that's the X factor that Ohio State can't really plan for. Just you know, you can you can dial it up as as well as you can, but if if a if a special player can just make a guy miss a bust a bust a short gain into a long one, like that can change a game. And if if Blake Corum's not not available, then this Michigan offense is completely different. But I mean, the fact that he at least tried to play in the third quarter, like he didn't just he didn't just go out and not come back in. Like he at least tried to play in the third quarter, like. Part of him not practicing is like, does Blake Corb need to practice? I think they know what they have with him, right? He just needs to get healthy. And I just, I don't see him missing this Ohio State game if he can walk, you know? So I uh, I tend to think Ohio State's going to pull it out, but I like Michigan to keep it close. So give me Michigan against the spread, but, but yeah, I'll take Ohio State to win. I like it. I like it. Not making up ground there. Where are we going next, Matt Green? Uh, keeping it moving, the Egg Bowl on Thursday night. We got Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Rebels, three-point favorite in this one. How do you see this one going? A lot off the field. Uh, I think this is – I don't know if this is a crazy take, but I think this is it for both coaches. I think this is the last egg bowl for both in this matchup. I think Mississippi and Mississippi State will have new coaches um, in 2023. Um, but, you know, I don't know how that will play out. Like it, it's kind of weird because remember how much excitement we had for this when these two coaches were first hired, where we were like, "Man, two huge trolls who just love trolling each other, love trolling media, that kind of thing." Like Lane and Mike, was it, it just the personality aspects here um, would have been fun to watch play out over uh, many years in this rivalry. But um, I don't. It's think- not over yet, sir. Don't talk past tense now. I just, I, I'm, I, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'll be pretty surprised. Um, but I wonder if the off-field distractions matter uh, in this one. How does this team, I know Kiffin spoke to his team to address uh, the, the matters of if he was taking the Auburn job or what was going on there. But all reports are Auburn is, that's their guy. They're targeting him and until he says no or whatever, then they're not uh, going to move off that. So um, it's just going to be really, really hard for Lane Kiffin to say no to Auburn. Uh, I think at this point, but uh, Leach obviously bad in rivalry games. He was bad at Washington State in the Apple Cup. Uh, a lot of good teams there that kind of went to die against uh, the rival with Washington. Obviously, has not beaten Ole Miss since being the Mississippi State head coach. Um, Mississippi State is 14th in rushing offense in the SEC. And what did Arkansas do last week? They ran all freaking over uh, Ole Miss. They could not stop the run. This is just not a good matchup for Mississippi State. Like the stuff that they're good at, just is not the things that uh, you need to be good at to beat uh, Ole Miss. And I just, I don't think this. I don't like the matchup. Ole Miss is number one in rushing offense in the in the conference. Uh, Quinchon Dinkins has been fantastic all season long. I uh, am a big fan of his, and I think uh, they'll be fine. So I think Ole Miss on the road wins or at home, excuse me wins and covers here to finish nine and three and i think uh yeah something like 37 24 or something feels about right but yeah no give me the rebs well you know uh haven't been high on the rebels all year and uh i think they're finally getting exposed for the frauds they've always been uh last six games or last five games in a row uh all been against sec west competition and they're giving up 35 points a game in those five games 
They are two and three. And like you said, all the distractions around Ole Miss's team right now, and you're right, Miss, Mississippi State doesn't run the ball well, but I almost wonder if like Ole Miss is just that bad at defending the run that Mississippi State's going to find some ways to run the ball because Ole Miss just can't stop anybody. Like mm. You're right, they're completely a different attack than what Ole Miss saw with Arkansas a week ago, but I think with all the distractions going on at Ole Miss, I'm kind of... I don't know. I feel like they're trending in the wrong direction. Hmm. Like we always say with Mike Leach, he always gets one. And I don't really feel like he's gotten one this year. Like they, they beat who? They beat A&M. Like that's, that's not like a big time win. He's gotten, he's gotten a few here and there, but I don't feel like he's had his signature win this year. I think Ole Miss is uh, trending in the wrong direction. I think, uh, I don't think they keep Mississippi State under like 40 points, honestly. So I think this could be a shootout. It might still be able to win in the 40s, but um, give me Mississippi State to go on the road, win the Egg Bowl. Mike Leach is first in the rivalry. Wow. So we're disagreeing right there, sir. Wow. I like it. it. Keeping it moving. I didn't see that coming. You didn't see it? I'm just not – you know I've been hating on Ole Miss. I've been hating on Ole Miss for weeks. So ass Ole Miss. I think yeah. when I went to their schedule, I think I uh, – in the in the preseason, I think I remember saying, like, there's a there's a chance this team could start 6-0 and end 0-6, like with how their schedule was, was played out. But um, they haven't done that, but you have seen them in the, in the wrong form as of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but keeping it moving on Friday, we got to the AAC – we got Tulane, the Green Wave at Cincinnati, Bearcats, two and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see this one? Woo. Um, okay. So Bearcats in this one. Uh, Cincinnati is quite good at home. Luke Fickle is just like not popping up in any coaching rumors, by the way. I don't really know why. I guess he's just like kind of he's good, and we'll see how this stuff goes in the Pac-12, and if he's able to go to the playoff in the Pac in the I mean, excuse me, in the Big Twelve, and they just roll immediately, then why take a another job right now just wait out ohio state uh if you're luke fickle but um he's been unbelievable there obviously not having desmond ritter at center at under center this season has been a big part of their drop off especially offensively the numbers are just uh with mr bryant very very dimmer uh very dimmer very dissimilar uh than what we saw last year but um they're just really hard to beat at home like you go back through like they do not lose many home games under luke fickle so tough place to play sneaky tough place to play um and since he they've given up only 11 touchdowns at home in five games this year uh tulane though they're a home team number two scoring offense for the wave in conference at home almost two touchdowns fewer on the road on average in the aac so uh, tough loss to UCF. Like uh, there was an opportunity for them to win the AAC. Uh, since he obviously not who they were a year ago, but they're still a really good team that I just are a boring good team. And Luke Fickle uh, finishes this season strong. So give me the Bearcats to both win and cover at home, sir. Mm. Not so fast, my friend. Oh, hoo, hoo. Um, looking at this game. Cincinnati has not scored, or as I should say, has scored less than 30 points in six straight games. Mm-hmm. And they're actually 5-1 and one in those games. So, obviously, they, they've had a good enough defense to make it happen. But Tulane is probably the best offense they've faced in that during that stretch. They've, they, 
both teams have lost to UCF uh, in that in the last uh, four or five games. I think this Tulane offense to go with their defense. I, I think they're they're just a more balanced team than Cincinnati. Um, and like you said, Cincinnati's passing attack has just not been what it was a year ago. So I think Tulane's a more dangerous team. Give me the Green Wave to win and cover. Wow. Yeah. Pulling out all the stops. And I want you wow. to know, I'm not just doing this to disagree with you. This is what's on my paper. I would not. I, you are the only one on this podcast who would besmirch the character of the other person on this podcast. That they would go to the lowly tactics of just uh, staying safe. Hey, to, you suggested it. You put that in the atmosphere. So, mm-hmm. you know, a little truth told in jest, I think. Okay. Um, but keeping next? it moving. Baylor. Going on the road at Texas. The Baylor Bears are 0-4 against ranked teams this season. Are they finally going to get one? What do you say? No, they're not. Um, I will say, and like part of this is like I, I'm just disgusted with the performance of Blake Shapin. Like Baylor better get a different quarterback in there in Waco next year uh, for Dave Aranda's bunch because just... Made the wrong call there. Should have kept Barry, uh, Mr. Bohannon. Still should have been the signal caller under center and uh, and and Waco in my my estimation. But Jekyll and Hyde, Texas, man. I just I don't know. Like this. Do you remember the week after they blew out uh, Oklahoma? They barely beat Iowa State at home. Baylor is 39th in rush defense in the country. So Bijan Robinson should be able to run all over them, but not to the extent of what he did against Kansas. But um. I don't know. I just, I'm nervous about them following any blowout victory and being like, oh, we're back. Texas is back. And then it's like brought right back down to earth. Uh, I think there's going to be shaky quarterback play on both sides. Um, I think Quinn and uh, Blake will struggle in this one. I think this is a low scoring affair. I think Baylor covers, but I think Texas wins. So give me the horns in a close one at home. Uh, But I do have a question for you. Is this a must win for Sark? He finishes seven and five if he doesn't get this. Um, I don't think it's a must win because it's not important enough to be a must win. I think seven and five isn't the progress you want to see, but um, I don't know, eight and five at the bowl game. I feel like it's, I don't know, it's still early. It's just okay. year two. Um, I look at this game. I'm not sure it will be so uh, low scoring. I think hmm. both of these teams are going to have some success running the ball. Uh, I think both of these running games are both just really dangerous. Um, I just Baylor. I, I want to pick Baylor. I feel like they've they've been so close in some of these games they've had this year. But I just I look at Texas and I, and the way they lost that TCU game last year or last week, it just kind of felt like it felt like they played the the perfect game they had to to knock off a top five team and kind of victory got kind of snatched at him. It was very snatched from him, very demoralizing way to lose. So I I kind of wonder if we see a little bit of a hangover from Baylor. So I don't know. I, I'm not, like you said, I don't know what to expect from Texas week in and week out, but um, I'm going to take them to, to win and cover. So you took Baylor to against the spread though, right? I did. Okay. I think this is um, going to be a weird one. This is going to be one to keep an eye on, folks. I think this is going to be a really weird bad game. And also, we're nearing the end of this monstrosity being uh, the last game of the season for Texas, and that 
we're very close. Three more years uh, before we get AM and Texas back on primetime on Thanksgiving, back as back nature on, intended. On Friday, always on yes. that Friday, right? Well, that's what I'm saying, the like Thanksgiving. the Thanksgiving week, like getting that back. Yeah, on the- that's that's Texas, Texas A&M territory for sure. Um, this next one, Florida, Florida State, we got on Friday night as well. Can't remember this one ever being on a Friday night. Uh, seven o'clock or seven thirty. At Florida State, Seminoles are a nine-point favorite in this one. How do you see this one shaking out? My early instinct was Florida, where I was like, this is the ultimate Florida thing, where it's like, there's no part of my brain that, based on the team that just lost to Vanderbilt, and look, my team might join that party uh, in a couple days um, <laughs> as well, but like, it it was rough. Like, they gave that Vanderbilt game away. If you watch it and you see what they were doing, like, Anthony Richardson really missed some open dudes and just airmail dude. I mean, it was bad. Like it was just Florida lost that game. Well, the more muffed than Va- punt. Too. Yeah, just was... did everything they could to make sure that they did not win at Vanderbilt uh, for the first time since '88. Um, all that being said, Florida State is just kind of under the radar now, where they are now number three in passing offense nationally in November. Like Jordan Travis has been sensational all season long, but he's picked it up even more late. Uh, Benson has been awesome in the backfield. They've been a fantastic one-two punch um, all season, but especially over the last month. Uh, the Gators, though, have won the last three in the rivalry they didn't play in 2020. Um, but last year was close, if you remember. It was close, and it was at Florida. And again, I understand uh, no coach, that sort of thing. But look, man, it was close last year, and I think the tide's kind of turning here. Uh, in this rivalry and it seems like both sides tend to go on streaks when you look at the history here and i think we might be looking at a florida state streak here uh i could eat my words very soon but um i don't know they're both uh good running teams at this point uh 14 and 15th in rushing offense nationally in november i just the edge for me is jordan travis over anthony richardson and it kind of reminds me of the hendon hooker versus anthony richardson argument um when it was in September where I'm like, Hooker's just efficient. Stetson Bennett, they're just good quarterbacks. Like they just do that. Like I understand the NFL draft stuff is whatever, but like Jordan Travis is just killing it all season long. Like I don't, I understand that he's not an NFL guy or he doesn't look like he's going to be an NFL guy, but like he just wins and he's efficient and he's just been balling all year long. And Anthony Richardson has not. Um, I think Travis wants this. It's a big one for him in this program to finish nine and three, which is huge. Uh, for Mike Norbell. Uh, it's, at, it's in Tallahassee. Night game. It's going to be rocking at the Doke. Give me Florida State to win, but Florida to cover. Yeah, and looking at this this game, Florida has multiple wide receivers out. I know Justin Shorter's out. Xavier uh, Henderson is out. And we've. I feel like we've seen not to just question Florida's character as a football team, but we've kind of seen this program multiple times throughout the last five years or so kind of just give up on a head coach, right? Mm. Like it's year one. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but it's also like these aren't all Napier guys. You know, this kind of stuff can happen year one that, oh, some guys are turned off or, you know, not, not liking the message from the coach and they transfer out and then you, kind of bring in, kind of fix that culture, whatever it is. Not suggesting that that is the case at Florida, but after losing a game like Vanderbilt, the way they did, 
I do wonder how you bounce back from that. Like, Florida State is a huge rivalry, so obviously you're going to get up for that game. But I don't know. That's a, that. I feel like that just kind of brings a lot of negativity into the program. Like you said, Florida State is kind of hitting their stride right at the right time, and it feels like Florida is is not. So after after what I saw from Vanderbilt, like that's probably not the real Florida team. You know, I think sometimes you just don't get up for a game like Vanderbilt the way you should. But with that said, I think Florida State's a good team. So give me Florida State uh, to win and cover. Ooh, we agree. I thought you were going to go Florida here. No, I think the the injuries, I think, are too much. Their their offense mm. is already, you know, pretty limited. To, to be losing some of the best playmakers on the outside, I think that's pretty big, for, especially for Anthony Richardson, the way he struggled to begin with. All right. Where are we going next? Uh, keeping it moving. Our first game on Saturday, uh, we got the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers. Clemson at home, they are a 14.5-point favorite in this one. How do you see it going, sir? Oh, my attention will be on this one. What have I always said? I am a Death Valley guy. Give me as much Palmetto Bowl action as I can get. Look, an orange I trust over here. Tennessee looked like Clemson last week. Clemson actually is Clemson at home here. They can do what Tennessee could not, which is take care of business against a bad South Carolina offense at home. Um, longest home win streak in college football. Man, Clemson, this is huge for them because it's also an opportunity for Clemson uh, to break um, a big record. I think this would, uh, with the win, it would be the longest win streak um, in the series by either side if Clemson takes care of business here at home. But... Rattler is a, a rhythm quarterback, and I just – the D-line with Clemson, with Breesey and company, is just different than the defensive line that they were up against against Tennessee last week. He's not going to have that kind of time uh, that he did a week ago. It's just he's on the road. He won't be in Williams-Brice. Death Valley is one of the most difficult places to play in college football. Obviously a highly competitive rivalry. And then what Clemson said this week I thought was interesting. Quote, I love that they did that. Clemson tight end, uh, Jake bringing Stolstead. Um, quote, them coming in here hot with a sense of arrogance is perfect for us. I think this is going to be a bloodbath. Like, I think this is the all-time just, we beat Tennessee, uh, we're back, like, happy for our program. This is a 500 program. They belong at 7-5. and five. You're not 8-4, and four, South Carolina. You're 7-5. and five. That is who you are. You go through <laughs> your win-loss record history – you are seven and five, and Tennessee unfortunately could not take care of business last week, and they deserve the beating that they got. But look, Lightning is not striking twice between two top ten teams in this country in back-to-back weeks. The second one being on the road in one of the most difficult places to play. It's not happening. It's not happening. Lock it up. My lock of the week. Clemson went big at home. All right, I um. I wonder about this one. I'm wondering, like, is last week, is it is it a turning point for the South Carolina football program, or is it just an out-of-body experience that we can't explain? Is it is it the Zach Calzada-Alabama game where he was never that good before, he was never that good after? Something just happened. Something special happened that I night. like the Calzada comparison. 
It could be, but Spencer Rattler, we know he's a much more talented guy. Right. Maybe this is the game that he, you know, he kind of needed to get some confidence. And maybe the South Carolina, you know, playing Jaheim Bell at, at running back, I think it's kind of it's done something for their offense. It's kind of given them a, a spark. With that said, I'm just not that impressed with Clemson this year. So I'm not picking South Carolina to win. I just think a 14.5-point spread is too big. I just mm. – like I think, I think South Carolina is going to give them a game. I think with the with the way they played against Tennessee, I could see them at least moving the ball a little bit. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's a, a thirty-one twenty-one type of game. Like, I don't necessarily see it being a a fourth quarter like close game in the balance. But I don't know, Clemson. I don't I don't trust Clemson to really put anyone away. Like they're scoring more points these last few weeks, but this offense, I'm just I'm still skeptical, and I'm wondering if. These South Carolina playmakers, like we saw them on the outside making plays against Tennessee. Obviously, their 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 secondary has been questionable all year, but I think they have a lot of dangerous wide receivers. I think uh, I think they'll give them a game. So give me Clemson to win, but but South Carolina to cover. Burning um, money, it, Matt Green. Keeping it moving. Uh, going to the Commonwealth State, Louisville at Kentucky. Kentucky's a three and a half point favorite at home in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see this one going, sir? I think this was the toughest for me to pick this week. Was it the toughest for you? I kind of agree with that. Um, and it's weird because Kentucky has dominated this series uh, since Mark Stoops been there. Uh, it's been a lot of Kentucky. But when I was thinking about this game back and forth, Kentucky losing a lot of rough games. Mark Stoops, big extension that came out this week. Um, so making a lot of money to be the head coach at Kentucky, and he's there for the long haul, it looks like. But if Louisville loses, I think Satterfield's out, right? right? If he gets blown out or this is not competitive against this Kentucky team, this is like an easy out for them where they're like, we didn't really want you. We've been looking for an out, the Justin Fuente thing at Virginia Tech, and then you just got blown out by a rival to end the year. Like, yeah. But the weird part is they had this weird recruiting bump uh, this past uh, cycle with the number one running back uh, choosing uh, Louisville a little bit. They're recruiting okay right now, but I don't know. Like the Cats have won three straight in the series. Louisville, though, and this is where I came back to him. Malik Cunningham, it looks like he's going to play. He's probable. Uh, my old friend Tion Evans looks like he should play too, which will be huge for them. Louisville leads the country in sacks. Did you realize that, Matt Green? They're number one uh, in college football in sacks. This is a big issue when you're playing the Kentucky offensive line because Kentucky offensive line has been a problem all season long. I don't think this is a good matchup for them. I think there's a possibility Louisville scores too much and they just get home and make and just blow up Will Levis' spot. I think this is the year that Louisville should break that three-game winning streak. I'm picking Louisville outright. I think Louisville wins and covers. Louisville put it on the board. I want to take you back in a, in a time machine, sir, mm-hmm. to the day of October 1st. On that day, I guess it was a few days earlier, but it's not really important. Kentucky was the seventh ranked team in the country, according mm-hmm. to the AP poll. And at the time, I think we both just knew this Kentucky team is not the seventh best team in the country. Not sure they're a top 25 team this year at all, period. And they have not been at all. They average 17 and a half points a game against SEC competition this year. 17 points a game. That is just 
terrible. 20, they're averaging 24.7 in their three SEC wins. So, like, not even much better in their wins. Louisville's averaging, I think, almost 23 points a game in their in their losses this year. So, I just do not like this Kentucky team. Great stat you pointed to. Not even aware of Louisville's uh, sacks, uh, leading the country in sacks. That's been a problem for Kentucky all year. I was already going to take the Cardinals, but you just solidified it. So, give me Louisville to win and cover. I guess Since win outright. They started off 4-0. They lost to Ole Miss, lost to South Carolina, beat Mississippi State, lost to Tennessee, got blown out there, lost to Vandy, beat Mizzou barely, lost to Georgia. Man, I think this is an awful Kentucky year. Like, they're big wins. I just don't even know. I will say, the Ole Miss one, they got kind of hosed. They easily Mm could have won that at the end, but Missouri... They got kind of lucky with that with that punt that happened. So I guess those kind of yeah. balance each other ha- out. But yeah, they've just been a bad football team. Uh, they they have won three straight in this series since they moved this to Thanksgiving weekend um, back in 2014. They they are four and three in the, in this series. So mm. I feel like it's ever since they moved this to the the last weekend with Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. It feels like this has been a a, a more intense rivalry. All right, where are we going next, sir? Keeping it moving. The Civil War Mm -hmm. in Oregon. We got Oregon at Oregon State. Beavers are a a three-and-a-half-point home dog in this one. What say you, sir? Another tough one. OSU, people forget, won this game in 2020. Um, It was a forgotten moment for Jonathan Smith's team. They're good. Uh, They're a top-25 team. They've proved it all year long. Bo Nix, though has been one of the best in the country the last month. Like he has just been when he's healthy has just been unbelievable for this ducks team. And I just, I worry about the Beavers defense holding up um, in this one. I think if this is just high scoring back and forth, I don't think they can keep up, but I also was looking at some, some deeper numbers with the Beavs and they're ninth uh, in the country in defensive yards per attempt against ranked teams this year. So they've shown up against good competition this year. They're also 21st in rushing defense against ranked teams in the country. Both really big. Um, in, Ohio, in Oregon State wins, they've given up less than 100 yards per game on average. The two-headed monster uh, with Winningham and what? Uh, what's the other one's name? Um, the running backs for uh, Oregon. Um, uh, Irving? Irving, yeah. If they're over 100, and we're looking at this in the mid-third quarter, Oregon's winning this game. Um, I think that means they found balance and they're cooking cooking with grease all across the board. I think this is going to be super close. What, what's the line again? This one is three and a half for Oregon. Because it's a toss-up, man. Like, I... <laughs> I... Or the reason I'm landing on Oregon here, Oregon still, I think, can tell themselves they can make the CFP. There's a possibility. It's harder now. But, like, you beat Oregon State, you beat USC in the title game. A couple things have to ro- roll your way, but, like, you're not out of it. You're not out of it. And I think they have a lot to play for, and they'll fight hard here at the end. So give me the Ducks to win. And because it's so close, the line, I'm going to say the Ducks cover. But I think this is going to be a really close game. I think this is going to be down to the wire. And it might be a game-winning field goal by the Ducks and then the Beavs cover. But, no, give me me the Ducks to win and cover. 
Oregon has won four of the last five in this series. Lost um, the last one in Corvallis, though. This is true. Uh, Oregon State, number one run defense, number two pass defense in the Pac-12 this year. I think if they are going to pull this upset, it's going to be the defense really keeping this in a low-scoring game. If you look at who they've played, I would say I would say there's six good teams in the Pac-12 this year. There's six ranked teams currently. Oregon State is obviously one of those six. They've played three of the other good teams in the, of the other ranked teams in the Pac-12, and they're zero and three in those games. And I think mm-hmm. you're going to see like Oregon State is a good team, but Oregon is just at a different level, I think, than Oregon State. So. Give me the give me the ducks to go on the road, win and cover. Mm. Keeping it moving, staying in the Pac-12, fighting Irish, going out west, play the USC Trojans. USC is a six-point favorite in this one. How do you see this one going? Here is my upset special of the week, Matt Green. Uh-oh. Notre Dame. On the road, I like the Fighting Irish here. Wow. UFC is, they're fraudulent. They're frauds. Oregon's winning the Pac-12. It's all fraudulent. This is a fraudulent USC team. They are 110th in yards per attempt on defense. This defense is going to get got. Like, it's going to happen. And people are like, oh, but is Notre Dame the defense or the offense to do it? Michael Mayer is going to have a huge day in this one. Don Kikade was a monster for Utah in their win against USC. USC has no answer for Michael Mayer, who's a better player in this one. He's going to have a big day. I don't think this is a great matchup for, uh, for USC. Notre Dame is 15th in the country in passer rating in November. They've got the two-headed monster at running back. You can't really run on Notre Dame. They're 15th, um, and their name is 15th on offense in passer rating in November. Drew Pine's been great in uh, in the month of November. I think Caleb Williams has to have another perfect week like he did a week ago against UCLA. Notre Dame is near the top 10 in pass defense in, no- in November. They're playing a much better brand of football than what they were playing when they were losing to Marshall and Stanford at home. This is a big, big win. This is their Super Bowl this year. They're not going to the playoff or anything like that. They would love nothing more. Then in year one of the Freeman era and the way they're playing right now to end USC's playoff chances right here on the road against the Trojans. Give me the fighting Irish, the victory over USC here outright. Yeah, I think a a win in this game for Notre Dame. I mean, I think this with the way the Marcus Freeman era started, I think this is an absolute just grand slam of a finish to this season um to be able to knock off two top five opponents in the final like three or four games of the year however i don't know if i see that happening sir mm. i just i so like you said drew pine notre dame's eight and one since drew pine has has become the starter he's really the, he's really changed things the team is looking a lot better but caleb williams you're talking about he needs to have a heisman moment like he does, and that's exactly what he's gonna do. I just, hmm. I, I don't see Notre Dame if this gets into a shootout. I just don't see them hanging with USC in that way. Like, I just, I think USC's got just better players. They lead the Pac-12 in interceptions this year. They've just, 
they've been very opportunistic defensively. I think they're going to force some turnovers in this one, and that's what you haven't seen. I think as as limited as Drew Pine has been, he's been pretty good at not turning the ball over. Um, but I think that's the key to the game. So if USC gets some turnovers and, and Caleb Williams is just going to make some Caleb Williams plays, I see USC uh, winning this one and covering. Wow. All right. For another week, sir. Okay. Um, keeping it moving to the Big 12. Jayhawks going on the road. Kansas State is a 12-point favorite at home. How do you see this one going? Um, well, Kansas State's a different team with Will Howard. Will Howard has been a game changer. They've committed to him full-time here. Um, Will Howard and Kansas State has a top-10 passing offense in November, Matt Green. Kansas State! When was the last time that was true? Will Howard just passing all over. It's just been the Darren Sproles, the Deuce Vaughn and company. Like, this is Colin Klein on the <laughs> ground, 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 ground. We know the Chris Chris Kleiman experience and what they do. I don't see this. We just saw this Kansas defense get carved up. Like, carved, carved up. This defense cannot stop the run whatsoever. It's not a good recipe when you've got uh, Deuce Vaughn on the docket. And Deuce Vaughn was held in check last week. I think Deuce Vaughn ends... His uh, regular season time with the Kansas State Wildcats at home against the Jayhawks in a big way. I think they blow out uh, Kansas. I will say I'm curious to see if the Lance Leipold extension uh, factors in at all. Uh, They're just more energized because it's like he's not going to Wisconsin, Nebraska, wherever. He's staying uh, for the long haul with uh, with, um, Kansas. So that being said, great year for the Jayhawks progress or Lance Leipold's group, but the defense needs a lot of work, and I think Kansas State is on a mission for their date with the Horn Frogs in the Big 12 title game. So give me Kansas State to win big and cover. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on this one. Um, Kansas has lost five of their last six, allowing almost 40 points a game over that time. They've also lost 13 straight in this rivalry to mm. the Wildcats. So, yeah, give me Kansas State to win and cover in this one. All right. Where are we going last? Um, How many many do we have differed uh, at this point? So, so far, we got some different ones. So, Ole Miss, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame we disagreed on. And then um, against the spread, Michigan, Baylor, and um, South Carolina we disagreed on against the spread. So, there's a, there's a a lot of variables in there right now. Okay. Um, Then keeping it moving, Washington, Washington State. Also some good games that even didn't make our pick them or just some traditional rivalries that didn't even make our pick them that we'll have to get to. But um, Washington, Washington State is the last one in our pick them. The Apple Cup, if you will, sir. Uh, Cougars are a two-point home dog in this one. How do you see it going? This is tough, man. I think this was another one that was super tough for me. Um totally different names in this one we have not seen these two go head to head yet in this uh in this rivalry and apple cup's a fun one i'm gonna have my eye on this one michael Penix jr versus uh cam ward is a matchup that uh, i've been looking forward to all season long here's the issue wazoo is 97th in passing defense matt green michael Penix jr loves to throw the football the man loves nothing more than throwing the football he throws darts the left-handed wonder, the southpaw extraordinaire. 
UW is 28th in passing defense. Cam Ward, he's going to struggle against this group. Um, Wazoo, good at stopping the run. Good year for Wazoo. Doesn't matter against uh, Washington. They're more than happy never to run the ball on you. I think this is a rough matchup uh, for the Cougs. Um, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see a path to victory for the Cougs, even at home, which will make probably why this, the line's low. But I don't, I don't see it. I think uh, Washington ends this year on a high note with Michael Penix Jr. and company, and I think uh, they throw it all over Washington State and win big. So give me the Huskies here at the end, sir. Yeah, I agree, too. This Washington uh, offense has just been really good. And it, they've won, what, five straight games now. They've, uh, they're just they're clicking at the right time. I like Washington as well. Give me the, them to go on the road, win and cover. But as you may notice, I did not pick a home dog from our slate, but I received word from Zeus that uh, there is a home dog that he wants to pick. And I said, Zeus, are you sure? Because this guy's a friend of the pod. You know, he's not a real friend of the pod. He's just got a soft spot for him. Uh, Sam Pittman, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Mm. I thought it was going to be Vanderbilt. I thought you were going to go Vanderbilt here. Oh, no. Um, honestly, without Hinton Hooker, I'm worried about, like, what we see Tennessee, kind of how bouncing back. Well, we can get to that one. But um, I, can't pick, I can't pick Vanderbilt to win that game. Um but yeah, Sam Pittman, Razorbacks, huge emotional win last week to get bowl eligible, get to six and five. Do they have motivation to uh, to go on the road to Columbia, you know, and you know fight it out for that tough uh, whatever they call it border trophy, something like that. Missouri needs this one. Missouri's yeah. got one of the better running defenses in the SEC this year, and that's exactly what Arkansas has got to do to be successful. they got to be able to run the ball. So I think Missouri needs this one. So Zeus's home dog of the week is the Missouri Tigers, three-point dog uh, to Arkansas. So put that home dog of the week on the board. Wow. You know, I like my Razorbacks. I love the Razorbacks, but uh, this is Zeus's call, you know, so I got to I gotta go with him. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not watching one second of that one. I'm, uh, I'm not going to not gonna spend any time. Hey, that's uh, become a solid rivalry in recent years. They got that Friday 3.30 CBS spot. It's uh, I'm, I'm watching some football on that, that Black Friday at 3.30. The NFL is on, isn't it? Wait, what time that, is it? Not or Black is it Friday. Yeah, I guess they're on, on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, great slate on Thanksgiving, by the way, for the NFL. Three good ones. Um, I'll rarity. probably watch World Cup, watch England, United States at like two, and roughly four, go over to Arkansas, Missouri, then get uh, then get Florida, Florida State, the nightcap. It's going to be a nice little Friday. Oh, my goodness. No, the nightcap is Florida State, Florida. That's what like, I said. Oh, okay. I, I misunderstood. Um, yeah, no, that, I don't know. Um, do you have any thoughts on Georgia, Georgia Tech? Um, no, there's not <laughs> much to say about Georgia, Georgia Tech. Uh, let's just hope Georgia can get out of this one with all the players healthy. Um, Did you consider going to it? I saw tickets were pretty cheap for this one. No, I really didn't, honestly. Because mm-hmm. the worst part about Georgia, Georgia Tech is it's always at noon now. I think mm-hmm. I want to say 2014 uh, that year where Gurley, when I think Georgia was down like 21-0 at the half, came back and won in overtime. I think that's the last one that was a night game. May have been like a 3-30 game that became a night game. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think everyone since then has been noon. And 
with Ohio State, Michigan always at noon and these other rivalry games. It's like you kind of – it's become one where you have to set up a second TV and put Georgia on, like, the second TV. <laughs> like, that's what I did with uh, Alabama-Tennessee earlier this year. It's like mm. I had it for about, I don't know, 15 maybe, – maybe five minutes I had the TV on Georgia-Vanderbilt and I had the audio on Alabama-Tennessee and I'm like, I don't know why I'm even doing this. Let's put Alabama-Tennessee on the main screen. But, um, yeah, so Georgia, obviously you got to keep track of this game. Hopefully Georgia just, you know, stays healthy, takes care of business. This game is really only interesting when Georgia Tech is is good and Georgia's not. And anytime Georgia Tech is ranked higher than Georgia, we, we tend to get a an interesting game. But, I mean, when was the last time we had that? Maybe 2014 is probably the last time uh, Tech's been ranked higher than Georgia, which – or may, maybe not, maybe 2009 or so. 2009 – Probably my all-time favorite uh, Georgia-Georgia Tech game. Uh, the, the, we run this state, Caleb King and Washon Ely. But um, it's a different time now. I think Georgia can come out, be pretty vanilla, probably how they were against Kentucky this past week, score like 21 points and then sit on the lead and it be 21-3 to final score. And then fans be mad that the offense didn't do more. And Kirby just be excited to, to get out of there with a win. So... I don't know. This feels like it has all the makings of a really boring game. Hopefully, Georgia can go out there and hang 40 on them and, and really stomp them out. But I think I saw there's like a 70% chance of rain um, in this one. And it just has all the makings of Georgia like not covering. What is it? Like 35, I want to mm-hmm. say, the spread. Like, I just – it doesn't feel like that kind of game. Like, week for the SEC championship, it feels like Georgia's probably just going to – Get the get the lead they need, and then just kind of sit on the ball for for the rest of the game. Interesting. Uh, Tennessee will be interesting on Saturday night. Back to back. I don't love that this game's at night. I wish this was a nooner uh, for Tennessee Vandy. Um, but Joe Milton, we'll see what the bazooka cannon looks like uh, this weekend. But he spent a lot of time with uh, Squirrel White all season long. A lot of good reps with Mel Keaton, and I'm not sure if Brew McCoy is going to play. It looks doubtful that both him and Cedric Tillman play in this one. So that's something to monitor here. Um, and the defense, like this is do or die time for this defense. Like <laughs> I I don't, if you drop this game to Vanderbilt, I don't think Tim Banks is the DC next year. I think that's where we're at, where based on what happened last week, I don't think you can run it back. Um, if you lose to Vandy and South Carolina back to back, especially if Vandy scores a lot of points in this defense, if Vandy, but there's South no Carolina, chance that's happening, right? Vandy's not going to beat Tim. Like, Florida absolutely Kirk Herbstreit picked Vandy this week. I saw. I just, I Kirk Herbstreit lives in Nashville, right? He's like no, he a moved. Nashville guy. I think he's. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I don't even I know. Think if he's he was out. Serious I think he's back him. in Ohio. Oh, is that right? Mm. I just, I don't, I don't know where Kirk Herbstreit lives, so I don't, I don't want to put his business out there. But um, I mean, this isn't going to happen. Like fan, like you might Tennessee fans might be down, but Florida absolutely self destructed. Like to lose that that Vanderbilt game like Tennessee's not going to do that we haven't seen Joe Milton play like I have no idea if he was hooker I would agree with you I mean we saw him play against Pittsburgh last year right like he's that was, he, this a, is Vanderbilt. That was a year and a half ago man this is Vanderbilt the guy can he's, he's got a pulse like he can beat Vanderbilt like I said no I think either one of two things happens either Joe Milton is incredible and starts his 2023 Heisman campaign early and it's just like oh Milton's improved because he's got the best arm in college football. Like he has the best arm in college football. 
if he's that guy and he has touch on his throws and he's just throwing bombs and just lighting them up and it's just a lot of fun and running hard and looks like Cam Newton 2.0, um, great. Cam but, Newton 2.0. Why do we keep comparing people to Cam Newton? He's actually got a much better arm than Cam. He's like a combination between like Cam and Jamarcus Russell, honestly. Mm. Let's, hope he, let's hope he's more Cam than Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell was good in college and he had a good um but either way i don't know i i'm curious to see what happens i think this is a big weekend for tennessee um they can still make a pretty good bowl if they take care of business here 10 10 and 2 is a big big year uh so hopefully they take care of business so what were the sorry i interrupted your thought there either either joe milton starts his heisman campaign oh or he implodes and this is a disaster and he those are the only two only two options only two it doesn't he just plays fine and they beat vanderbilt that's that's not an option it's either it's either going to be heisman hype or they lose to vanderbilt yes and it's like the most (laughs) embarrassing no in between i promise you book this right now um a couple days before this happens either joe milton implodes and it's a disaster and we're like oh my god nico starting as a true freshman next year or Joe Milton just obliterates uh, Vanderbilt in uh, uh, to revenge for, for revenge for his uh, his guy. Well, Hooker. to talk some sense into some Tennessee fans out there, that should not be. I don't care how well he plays. This should not be the game that starts the Joe Milton Heisman hype train. Have you watched him play football when he plays it's well? Vanderbilt. I don't care what he does. In no, this what game. I'm saying is he like, could go 25 of 26, break Grayson Lambert's records. <laughs> 300 yards and five touchdowns, and I would say, okay. Vanderbilt's playing for a bowl game. They have everything yeah, to play exactly. for. Exactly. Tennessee's 9-2. and two. They should absolutely wipe the floor with them. Like, I'm not I disagreeing. Just, I just... 14 point spread. So are you not liking the 14 point spread? Like, do you think Vanderbilt covers? I, no. I don't think it goes that way. Like I said, I think either Tennessee wins by like 30 plus or Vanderbilt wins by like 6. It's insane how quickly things have changed in like the span of, of seven days for the Tennessee Volunteers. Did you watch this we're defense talking, last week? We're talking about Vanderbilt, stop. though. They got one stop. South Carolina did not score an offensive touchdown the week prior. I would That's not true. be surprised. Like Anything could happen on Saturday. I have no idea. Should Tennessee win? Yes. Should changes be made on defense if it's, they lose this game and the defense gets shredded? Yes. I don't is know. Is Florida's defense better than Tennessee's defense? Yes. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think they statistically have been. but It just depends on what you're talking about. Like the rush defense, I think Tennessee's better, but pass defense and uh, get to the quarterback. But also, their two pass rushers are gone. Ventrell Miller and uh, Cox got kicked off in the middle of the year, right? Like he's been gone. I think they've been better since. I think they may have been addition by subtraction oh. with, uh, with Brent Cox. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I uh I tend to think Tennessee takes care of business, but I'm not. I tend to not respect Vanderbilt, so I would have I would have picked them to beat Florida last week. So I'm 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 blown away by how uh, close you think this game might be, though. I'm not a like I've always been this whole time. Like I'm not like some crazy Tennessee homer. Like yeah, I want Tennessee to win every game. Like the facts are the facts. They got blown out by a terrible South Carolina offense last week. Like, that just happened. The best quarterback they've had since Peyton Manning is gone for the year. I don't know. Like, I... I don't know. They could pack it in. They could have already packed it in for the year. 
They could be like, we'll all right, see. one, two, three, Cancun. I don't know if that's happened. You're a worrier. I'm a worrier. That's I... why your friends call you whiskers. <laughs> um, but the, la- the last two games that weren't on our slate, I feel like we needed to say something. The Iron Bowl wasn't even on our slate this week. Mm. Any chance Cadillac Williams wins this game and Auburn Tigers gets the full-time gig? I think you – I mean, if he – I still don't think he gets it, but I think if he beats Alabama, I think – I don't know how. He's so easy to root for, and he's just done such a great job turning this sinking ship around. I I don't know. I don't think he does, but I think he should if he wins this game. But I also Lane, don't think they're you think Lane Kiffin's a done deal? It's hard to say, but I think if the reported money involved – is accurate then yes yeah we'll see it's I, just I, too much money man Auburn's gonna throw just yeah. too much money and resources i don't know i just don't see it i was a little surprised by the 22 point line in this one um just because alabama's just been a little underwhelming as of late but trey sanders entered the portal this week yeah i just i don't know i can't really see auburn uh keeping that one close but you know last year should have been close but this one is in tuscaloosa and then um the other one a and m and lsu didn't make the pick um a and m only a 10 point dog at home um this one has the the chance of i feel like something weird happening like lsu just doesn't seem they don't seem like the number five team in the country i just they don't seem immune to going on the road and just like laying an egg and a&M, obviously, they didn't show up last week, but, I mean, I'm not just going to indict the whole fan base for not showing up against a cupcake. I'm not even sure who they were playing last week. Do you remember who that was? Who? Uh, Texas A&M. UMass. Yeah, some embarrassing shots from their crowd in that one, but you know they're going to show out with LSU in town. I don't know. I'm, I hope that LSU, you know, takes care of business and we got a good top five matchup here for the SEC championship but I don't know I, I part of me doesn't trust LSU so mm. I think this I think A&M might be able to keep that one close but we'll see they may have just given up on Jimbo completely so there there's still that element to it there you go all right Matt Green well that's all I've got anything you'd like to add as we wrap up here on a Thanksgiving edition here on the podcast I do want to say Mm. In the spirit of Thanksgiving and family and everything, Tori was not pleased with how she was portrayed on this podcast about her television taste by myself. <laughs> so I want to clarify, because I know Tori's listening to this. Tori's got some great taste in, t- in TV shows. She put me on to a lot of big time shows like Parks and Rec and other good things. But uh, she was like, you made it sound like all I care about is reality shows and Bravo. So I'm like, no, Tori, she's got some good taste in television shows. So I know she's listening to the pod. So got to clear the record. Monk, Parks mm-hmm. and Rec, two, two quality shows, two top five shows uh, in, in my book. What about so, Mama Green? Mama Green, what about her? Like, what is her shows? Is she a Bravo person too? She's What's a the- Criminal Minds person. She's reading and watching Criminal Minds and like baseball, honestly. Like that's... That's like all that's on my mind. And tennis. Has she big, big Rafa Nadal guy. Big Rafa Nadal fan. She's not a guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing amazing with your family. Week over yeah. week. Matt Green. Um, is she all in on the Paramount Plus 
uh, Criminal Minds Redux. I know they did a redo. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you as Well, you need to investigate goes. tomorrow uh, and Thanksgiving. Uh, I'll, I'll get some answers. There you go. I'm sure if it's Criminal Minds, I'm sure she's watching it. There you go. Uh, I used to watch Criminal Minds back in the day with my mom. My mom was a big Criminal Minds person. Can't do it. I'm just Law and Order, Criminal Minds, just just not just not my thing. Dead bodies, just I don't know. I, See, I prefer to laugh. That's just me. I'm 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 a, I'm a fun guy. I as love Kawhi Leonard would say. <laughs> exactly. No, I love British crime shows. Like that's my jam. Like Luther, Sherlock, um, Vera, uh, Shetland. Um, all kinds, but my favorite American version is Bosch. Bosch is my jam. Love some Bosch. Bosch Legacy is never never heard of it. No, it's Harry Bosch. It's not. You would hate it based on what you just described. Like it's not your jam. <laughs> you don't want to spend any time in the Bosch world. You would you would hate it. But uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, for that guy down there in Dekila, Jordan McGreen, for myself up here in the glorious everything school state that is Knoxville, Tennessee. Got that, that number three. Got that third one in there. I just want to make sure everyone's having a good... Bottoms uh, up. Yeah, I want people having fun uh, when they're on their way to uh, their family gatherings tomorrow. Listen to this on uh, on their right end. So get the shots ready, all that good stuff. Um, Matt Green, happy hey, holidays. Drink responsibly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> happy holidays, my friend. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving with the fam, and uh, I will talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.